Well, all right, church family, how are we doing today? Let's celebrate being together in church. What an honor it is to be here. Church Online family, we love you. And if you're brand new with us today, uh, welcome. Welcome to ACF and welcome to the family. So uh, lots of great stuff happening. Uh, first, it's winter, y'all. Let's just embrace it. It's here. Get used to it. I know. I hear like joy and sadness in the room all at once, but that's every single year. But just good things happening in our community in this kind of new season that we're entering into. Uh, man, God's working in our students, you guys. We had over 80 middle, middle schoolers at church last week for middle school youth group. Like, that's incredible. I love it. I love it. You've not lived till you've been in a room with 80 middle schoolers. So, uh, by the way, if God's calling you, you need to join that team. Uh, we launched Forged Men's Rally Night with over 200 men in this room. Praise God for that. That was amazing. So excited for that. I'm excited for our next one coming up here uh, next month, and I'll be teaching at that. Just really, God is doing something in the hearts of men in our church uh, here, and just people every week giving their hearts to Jesus in our midst. And I'll tell you what, like, we're moving forward in this series, and so we, we're in a season as a church talking about the deeper life. And if you're, if you're new, I'll catch you up. We believe that uh, everyone in their hearts is, is desiring something deeper. That we were made for something deeper than what we experience. And uh, whether you're a Christian or you're just checking out the church, I believe that you have a desire for a deeper life. And what we said the first week of this series is that Jesus is the deeper life we all long for. Like he really is. He is in his face and in his presence is the deeper life that every single one of us long for. And so this whole year we are moving forward for the next year talking about the deeper life and different aspects of it. And we've had the series that we're starting today uh, planned for a little while. And it's interesting, with all the momentum that we're seeing in, in church lately, I just really feel, uh, the term I've heard before is, I feel like a, caught, like a kite caught in a hurricane of grace. Like we're just kind of flowing and, and, and flying with the Spirit of God, and, and we're kind of just along for the ride sometimes. That's how we feel. And in, uh, in church growth world, you know, if you, if you were to talk to people who are gro- church growth strategists, what they would say is when there's momentum in your church, you need to preach a series about family or about how to change your habits, right? Because that's going to get everybody to come to church. Family, how to change your habits, which I love both of those types of series. We've preached both before. But here's what we think is that when Jesus had momentum in his ministry, when there were people that were just clamoring for his attention and, and wanting to ask him to heal them or, or, or show up in their lives and, and wanting to get to know Jesus, Jesus always did the same thing. He would retreat to a quiet place to what? To pray. And so I believe that God's timing is perfect and that he's ar- orchestrated this moment the way it is intentionally. And we're going to actually spend the next seven weeks talking about prayer. Y'all excited? Okay, six of you are excited. Let's be honest in the room. I'm going to be real. Let's be honest. Some of y'all are like, oh man, I'll come back in six weeks or seven weeks. Because I, in your mind, you're thinking that sounds a little boring. Some of you are like, you're, you, you just want the tools. You're like, Brian, I just want to figure out how to raise these kids. I want to figure out how to do better at, at my job. I want to figure out how to fix this broken marriage or this broken relationship or, or whatever. Like, Brian, give me some tools. And here's what you need. The number one tool you need is prayer. It really is the thing that makes all the difference in our lives, and so we're going to be focusing on that over the next uh, few weeks. And I'll start with this. Anybody remember your first car? You remember, like, make and model of your first vehicle? I, I, it's hard to forget it because that's, it's like a big deal in our lives. Uh, for me, growing up, my dad, he had this, this Ford pickup truck, and he actually bought it when he was stationed here in Alaska. I was born here, 
and uh, we were only here for a little while, and then we moved away and moved from, from location to location, and he always had this Ford pickup truck. In fact, we got a picture that's almost the exact photo. This is a 79 Ford uh, pickup, and it's same paint scheme and everything. I just loved that truck, and as a kid, I dreamed of driving this pickup truck. I remember rebuilding the engine with my dad and, you know, doing body work on it. And it was just, it was mint. It was clean. The body was perfect. It was so nice. And then I turned 16 and I did what normal 16-year-olds do, which is get my driver's license. I don't, just by the way, side note, 16-year-olds, what's up with you not getting your driver's license? It's like a thing right now, teenagers. Go start driving. I was, I took the day off of school, was literally like at the DMV, got the driver's license. And that day started driving this truck. And it felt like freedom. You remember that feeling? Like so excited. My parents trust me with this pickup and I'm driving it around. Well, winter rolls around and we're in Cheyenne, Wyoming and it's a little snowy. And I remember one day I'm driving down Ridge Road in Cheyenne, Wyoming. I'm running a little, little late trying to get to school and I took a turn too fast. And this was the first time I'd ever experienced losing control of a vehicle, but I wasn't going to make the, the turn. And so I made the first mistake, which was to slam on my brakes and uh, some of you actually probably learned this this morning. It's a little icy. Don't slam on your brakes. So I slammed on my brakes, and I went right through the corner of the intersection, over the curb, through a stop sign, like over the stop sign with the side of my truck, through this dude's split rail fence, and I ended up in the middle of his yard. And I'm just sitting there angry and crying and upset. I've just damaged my dad's truck. You know the feeling? Like this, this overwhelm of, I can't believe I just messed up this bad. You know, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what I need to do in this moment. Like, what do you do in a moment of turmoil and, and stress like that? And the one thing I should have done, the one thing I needed to do was call my dad. Just to call my dad. But the one thing I least wanted to do in that moment was call my dad, right? I needed to call my dad, but the least likely thing for me to do in that moment was to actually call my dad. So what did I do? I threw the truck in reverse, and I floored it. And there was like sod shooting up from this guy's yard into the snow, and finally I get the truck out, and I drive to school, and I'm just so disappointed with myself, and I, I should have just called my dad gotten help. I made the dent worse as I'm <laughs> pulling back over this stop sign, and, and I just was kind of reflecting, why didn't I want to call my dad? And, and I just had all kinds of thoughts in my mind. I didn't want to feel worse than I already did. I knew what he'd say, son, you were going too fast. And really, I, I let shame get the best of me. Because in moments where we feel shame, the last thing we want to do oftentimes is call our father because we're just, we're just afraid. We don't want to feel bad. And, and that's not his fault. That's just, that's just my thing. In fact, the next day I drove by the same spot and this poor older gentleman was in his yard just like scratching his head and uh, like a good Christian guy, just kept on driving, never said a word, which if you're watching, I'm sorry, sir, uh, for that. I owe you damages, but prayer is a little bit like that, where in a moment of great need, the first thing, the most important thing for you to do is to call on your father and oftentimes the least likely thing for you to do is call on your father. And so I want to ask in the room here today, uh, many of you are Christians and have been around the church for a while, I just want to take a quick poll. Who here would say that you believe wholeheartedly in the power of prayer? Raise your hand. Who believes that prayer is powerful? Prayer is, okay, so almost every hand in the room, so, so almost everybody believes that prayer is extremely powerful. Now here's the next question. Who here would say that you don't pray enough? Okay, let's, 
Let's be honest about this. So let's look at the reality. In the room, if you're, if you're online, you didn't get to see that maybe, but in the room, the room was packed with hands for both questions. We both believe that prayer is powerful. Prayer makes all the difference. Of course, of course Brian, we're Christians, so we believe in prayer. And then over here, we say, we don't pray enough. Now, here's what I want to propose to you, and it may sting a little bit, is that I would say most Christians today don't believe in prayer the way they think they do. That your prayer life is a direct reflection of what you believe about prayer. And if you believe that, that prayer makes all the difference, that you can't, can't sustain yourself without prayer because you need the presence of God and the power of God in your life. If you believe prayer makes all the difference, then you would actually pray. So what does it mean that most people would say, I believe in prayer, but most of us would say, we don't pray? There must be a barrier. There must be something getting between us and having a consistent prayer life. And so I actually want you to interact with the conversation for a moment. If you want to pull out your phones, we're going to do something a little different here. Uh, We're going to put a QR code on the screen, and this is going to lead you to something called Slido. And if you're online, you can join the conversation as well. Just scan that QR code. And what I want you to do is write down in one word, what is the thing that keeps you from praying? Just in one word, maybe a few words. You can upvote certain things on there if it's, if it's the same answer that you have. And what we're going to see is we're going to see these words populate on the right side of the screen. And what you're going to start to realize is that you're not alone. You're going to start to realize that the things that keep you from praying are oftentimes the, the same things that keep other people from praying. And, and so you can join the conversation. As we go on, you'll start to see those things pop up on the screen. And If you have a Bible, what I want you to do is flip over as you're scanning that QR code. Flip over to Luke chapter 11. This is one of the most famous passages when it comes to understanding prayer in the Bible. This is a moment where the disciples ask Jesus, teach us to pray. And I felt like we couldn't talk about prayer until we talked about this text because this text literally gives us an outline of what Jesus says is the best way to pray. He gives them a a way to pray. Not a script. It's not about a certain script. It's a certain way to pray with, with certain aspects that are involved. And, and I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm actually going to read it in the New Living Translation, um, which is going to drive you KJV people nuts. If you're uh, into the King Jimmy version, you're just going to hate it because there, there's no thous and these. And uh, it's going to sound a little different. And the reason that I'm doing this is because I want you to hear this prayer through fresh ears. I want you to, if you've been around the church for a little while, be like, oh yeah, that's the Lord's Prayer. I heard it a million times. We talk about it all the time as a church, but I want you to hear these words for what they are. And so this is Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. As he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, I want you to remember that. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Amen. So this is how we should pray. Jesus, God in the flesh, teaches his disciples what it looks like to pray. So if you're here today and uh, you're one of the people that raised your hands, which is almost everyone in the room who said, I I don't pray enough, 
I think part of the reason for a lot of people is that we don't, we don't know how. We don't know what to do when we pray. Uh, this guy, Pete Gregg, who's the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, he came up with a little uh, acrostic for prayer, and it simply is this. Prayer stands for pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Just a very simple tool. As you come to God in prayer, we should pause, we should rejoice, we should ask, and we should yield. And what I want to start us off with is this big idea. And this, I, you, I don't want you to miss this. This is maybe the most important thing today when it comes to prayer because when we stopped praying at some point for some reason. And at some point we started wondering, does prayer even make a difference in our lives? And here's what you need to remember is these three words. Prayer always works. And so these are so important that I, we're going to say this together. Can we just do this out loud? Let's say those three words together. Ready? Prayer always works. You're going to need that on Monday morning, I just promise you. You're going to need that this week sometime. You're going to start to wonder, does prayer make a difference? The answer is prayer always works. Now we need to start with the basics, right? Uh, What is prayer? So I went to Wikipedia, which is where you get all the answers of life uh, today, and Wikipedia says this about prayer. Prayer is an invocation or act that seeks to activate a report with an object of worship through deliberate communication. Did you catch that? No wonder we're so confused. Let's make it simpler. Prayer is, this is really simple, okay? Prayer is communion and conversation with God. Prayer is communion. An interaction, intimate interaction with a being. God himself. Communion and conversation, okay? So we're actually talking to and hearing from God. Prayer is communion and conversation with God. And I want to do a bit of a flyover on prayer here today. And uh, next week we're going to get into more of the details about prayer. But I want to just give you some aspects and some realities about prayer. And the first is this that prayer is something that most people do. Most people, Christians and non Christians, actually pray. In fact, today over 50% of Americans say that they pray. Isn't that interesting? And I was thinking about that statistic that 50% plus of Americans today pray. And yet at the same time, we don't see 50% of Americans in church or 50% of Americans that that say they're Christians, which means that prayer is bigger than Christianity. Does that make sense? Like people who aren't even Christians are like, "Ah, when life falls apart and it's scary, I pray. I pray. Prayer is something that most people do. In fact, I will tell you right now, culturally, there's a lot more people praying than they were a month ago. As, as, as people are watching the news, which some of you have seen what's going on in Palestine and, and uh, Israel right now, like when we watch that stuff, people start going, if there's a God, I kind of want to talk to him right now, right? Like I, I got some things to say. There's a lot of people praying for peace, and they don't even know who they're talking to, but they're just sort of praying, which kind of side note, church family, here's the deal. We have an incredible opportunity right now to lead people to Jesus. Can I just, what, just I don't know, this is popping in my mind. Anybody... Remember, were you around the church uh, and, and a Christian during 9-11? Anybody in the room remember 9-11? Do you remember that? I remember that. 9-11 was crazy. I, do you remember, like, pulling out chairs from every corner? The next Sunday after 9-11, the churches were packed. There was not an empty seat in the house. Why? Because when people feel stressed and fear, the natural impulse that's woven into their soul is to reach out. For God. 
And that's just what we naturally do. And so I'll tell you, like as we look at what's happening overseas, people have called it like their 9-11 uh, and, and maybe even worse. We as Christians have an incredible opportunity to lead the fearful people in our communities toward the heart of Jesus. Don't miss this. Don't miss this opportunity to align conversations towards the truth. Don't miss this opportunity to bring your friends to church, to to actually help them understand the gospel for what it is. There's a lot of people praying for peace right now, but I'm just telling you right now, peace isn't coming till Jesus comes back, okay? That's the promise. Jesus says, I will bring peace. And and, and there'll be a moment where God shows up and separates the world, and, and the only separation is, did you know Jesus and did you or did you reject Jesus? That's the only separation that's going to matter in that moment. And so this is an incredible time for, for you to tell people, look, actually there's, there's going to be wars and there's going to be turmoil and there's going to be fighting and this is going to happen. This has happened for, for thousands of years, but there will be peace. And this is why Jesus taught us to pray for his kingdom to come because it's coming, friends. That's just not, it's not just a, a prayer. It is a promise that we're leaning into. And so Man, prayer is something that most people do. Your friends that aren't typically religious, they're, they're, some of them are praying right now. And they don't even know who they're talking to, right? But they, they pray. I don't know if you know, knew this, but back in 2020 during the pandemic, for every 8,000 COVID diagnosis, the amount of Google searches for the word prayer doubled. Isn't that crazy? So when people are sick and scared, and freaked out about the world, they just start wanting to understand prayer. So if you're like, I don't know if I should invite, invite my friends to a series about prayer, the answer is yes. They're, they want to understand. People want to know, like, if there's a way to talk to God, I want to do it. I want to hear from this God. The next thing about prayer is this. Prayer existed before the Bible, okay? The Bible, a lot of Christians don't even think about how modern of a reality the Bible is, right? For, for most of, of the existence of time, the scriptures, the word of God, has been transmitted not on pieces of paper, but, but verbally, right? From person to person. There were scrolls, there were, the people would, would trans, it wasn't until like Gutenberg invented the printing press that we actually had a Bible as we have it in our hands. But prayer came way before the Bible. And listen, we are a Bible church. You will never hear a sermon at ACF Church without the scriptures, without a verse or many verses from the Bible. But I'll just tell you this, without prayer, you will never understand the Bible. You just won't, it won't make sense. Because prayer is how we, how we speak to and communicate with God. And in an aspect of God, part of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is, is what we know as the illuminator of the Word of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit helps us to make sense of the Word of God. You ever read a scripture and been like, that was just insanity. I have no idea what that means. I, I, have, I have no clarity on that. The reason is you need, to, you need to have the illumination of the Holy Spirit help make sense of the Scriptures, right? And, and so without prayer, the Bible will never make sense. But prayer actually came before the Bible. And for some of you, prayer is the first thing you did. You didn't even know the Bible, and you started praying. Like a lot of, a lot of people, like I said, are just praying. They don't even know any Scriptures, but they're praying. And, and honestly, like that's, that's the beginning for most people that leads them into a relationship with God. You don't have to know the Bible to enter into a relationship with God. You just need to start to pray, and so he will start to reveal himself to you. And he, he can do that through the scriptures as well, and I'm for that. But I'm just telling you, prayer pre-existed the Bible. The next thing is this. Um, you can't be like Jesus if you don't pray. If you're here and you're like, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be a disciple. Or another word for disciple is apprentice. I want to be like Christ. Well, what did Jesus do? 
He prayed a lot. Jesus had a very, very strong prayer life. And so there is no way for you to model the life of Christ. There's no way for you to look like Jesus unless you pray often. Uh, The next thing is there's different types of prayer. I think this is part of the reason people don't pray is because they just, in your mind, maybe prayer is just sort of like the the dinner prayer, right? God, thanks for the food. Uh, Bless grandma. Let's eat, right? That's about, like, I don't know what else to do, but that's what I know to do. And, And so if you don't know that there's different types of prayer, sometimes it fits in a very small box, but this is such a huge thing And there's so many different ways to pray. And so we see it within the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is giving them an outline of different aspects of prayer. The first is just to approach God as Father. Uh, Some of you, when I say approach God as Father, you you just get an emotional reaction because you didn't have a good earthly dad. In fact, the stat that's just been tearing me up lately is that one in four, 25% of kids today grow up without a father. Which to me is just, we are at crisis pitch. I mean, this is a problem, and this is shaping not just how people interact with society, but it's shaping how they interact with God, right? And you're like, I, I wish I had a dad. A quarter of the people in our society maybe struggle with interacting and approaching God as Father, but we need to begin doing that knowing that He is a perfect Father. He's a Father that's always with us. The next part of it is this adoration. Holy, holy is your name. Jesus teaches them to adore God. And sometimes that's all you need to do in prayer is just to, just to give him honor, to give him glory. The next part is intercession, which is like praying for others in this world. That's what, uh, again, like Israel needs your intercessory prayer, right? People that are, the innocent people in Palestine need your intercessory prayer. Uh, people in Ukraine need your intercessory prayer right now. We need to be praying for them. Your friends and neighbors need your intercessory prayer. Be praying for me right now. I, I could use some prayers. That'd be great. Pray for me as I preach. This is intercession. Sometimes you just need to sit with, with God and go, God, would you, would you work in this person's life? Would you show up in their life? Would you heal this person? There's surrender. This is the your will be done in the prayer. Sometimes you just need to get before God and surrender and just say, I'm, I'm done. I'm done, God, trying to fix it. I just need to trust you. And the next part is petition. And petition is to bring your needs before God. This is the, give us this day our daily bread. That's okay to pray for. Sometimes you just need to be like, God, would you help me to earn a paycheck today? Would you help me to get a job today? Would you help me to be able to put some food on the table? And that's, that's good as well. And then there's repentance. This is the forgive us our sins as we forgive others, right? Sometimes you need to sit before God and just acknowledge the sin in your life. Maybe this morning there's something that's eating you up that you need to leave in this room today at the foot of the cross. That's repentance. And then there's protection. God, lead us not into temptation. This is to acknowledge that we are all humans and every moment of our lives there's temptation nearby. Like when you leave church here in just a few minutes, there's going to be temptation. When you turn on your TV tonight, there will be temptation. When you go to work tomorrow, there will be temptation. And so we need that protection. And then the, the last part, he says, deliver us from evil. This is, this is to acknowledge the spiritual war that exists around us. And I'll tell you what, this is going to become more and more important in the life of every believer that you acknowledge the spiritual battle that exists for your soul. The spiritual battle that exists not just for you, but even across the world. This is a spiritual dynamic. And it's, I mean, right now, just I want to remind you, our battle is not against flesh and blood, friends. 
It's not against people. It's about the powers and principalities that rule this dark world. It's about going after the, the, the evil demonic powers that exist, and we are seeing those in so many different ways. And so we need to know that there's different types of prayer. And the next thing I want to talk about, this is so important, and I think we all feel this, is that if we're honest, when life gets crazy, prayer is often the first thing we drop. It's the thing that we're like, well, something's got to give, so I'll make it prayer. I want you to think, like, what are the things that you can't live without right now? Some of you are like, lunch. Let's be real. I, some of you are like food dependent, right? You're the ones that always talk about getting hangry around 1 p.m. if you haven't eaten yet. And so for you, you're like, you're going through your day. If there's one thing you'll never skip, it's a meal, Right? My wife and I, are, we're going on road trips, and Amanda, she's got to eat, and so we'll be on a road trip, and if it turns into noontime, you better believe we're going to find a restaurant, and we're going to get some food, right, for her protection and mine. Like, it's going to be good for both of us that we get a little food in our stomachs. Love you, baby. Uh, she, she's running slides today, so. No, it's good, like, but this is, this, for a lot of us, food, and there's other things that you're like, I will not skip this, my, my gym time, right? I will miss everything, but you better believe I will not miss my gym time. What if we saw prayer this way? What if prayer was that thing that we couldn't live without? Martin Luther famously said this, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. So I want you to hear me on this. Don't don't miss this. That if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. Just full stop. If you're too busy to pray, you are just plain too busy. We need to slow down and acknowledge the presence of God. So we're actually going to do something a little weird right now. Welcome to ACF. We're going to stop. We're going to stop. We don't, I don't typically do this, but I'm going to give you 60 seconds right now. I want you to just bow your heads in prayer. We're gonna get, it's going to get silent. You're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. We're going to get silent for just 60 seconds, and I want you to ask God, God, what's keeping me from praying? Okay, ready? Online family, join with us. Just find a place that's quiet. Let's pray together. 60 seconds. What's keeping me from praying? Amen. How are we doing? 
We okay? You did it. Somebody in the room was like, I haven't prayed for that long in years. And here's what you need to hear. No shame. Let that be the beginning of something that you desire for. Like, you can do this. And, and so let's look, let's look at the screen. There's, a, there's some consistency here, isn't there? Like, we've got a lot of words, and we're going to talk about a lot of these over the next seven weeks. But what's the number one? Time. Just, we're busy. And can I tell you that uh, this service, like, you're not freaks. Every service so far has had the same thing. We're just too busy. There's just too much going on. And I will tell you, I connect with this. My life is busy too. And I'll be honest, you might be like, well, pastor, you get paid to pray. It's like, no, I can, trust me, I can do this whole job and never pray. And I'll be real with you, most pastors probably do. And there's been seasons where I, I have done this job. We can build a big crowd and never pray. It doesn't mean it pleases the heart of God. It doesn't mean we're actually making a kingdom impact. And so you have, to, you have to deal with this. Like, how is it, like, everybody gets 24 hours, but why is it that prayer doesn't fit into mine? And I'll tell you, like, there have been seasons in my life where I didn't pray, and it wasn't consistent. And um, even as I served in ministry where I'm trying to do things for God, and yet I'm not connected to God, it's so common in the church world, and there was a point where I just, I had so much anxiety in my life that I would wake up in the morning, and I don't know if any of you else, any of you feel this, but some of the darkest moments in my head are when I go to bed at night, like those few minutes before I fall asleep, and then the few minutes when I first wake up. I don't know if anybody else feels that, but for me, sometimes those are the darkest moments in my head is when I'm just falling asleep, when I'm waking up. And there was a season where I had so much anxiety and so much fear about what was going on in my life that I would wake up and all I could do was pray. So I, I, I literally couldn't get out of bed until I prayed. And to me, that felt a little bit like a curse. I would rather not have the anxiety. I'd rather not have the fear. I'd rather not have to deal with that. But what it started to become was a rhythm in my life. And at this point in my life, I will tell you, I don't get out of bed in the morning until I pray. And I'm not talking about, you're like, well, what kind of big words do you use, Brian? And oh, you're so spiritual. No, I'm just telling you, I can't get out of bed until I pray. For real, it's become something I'm so dependent on. And, and, And you might go, well, what do you say? Often, I don't say anything. Most of the time, I just, I wake up in the morning, and I become sort of aware of my existence. You know that moment? You're like, oh, I'm, here I am. And then my very next thought is, God, where are you? And this sounds weird, but what I do in that prayer in the first part of my day is I try to acknowledge the reality of God. And that might sound bad for a pastor to say that. Like, don't you believe in God? I do, but can, can we be real? Sometimes we need to be reminded of the reality of God. Sometimes uh, you guys are so holy. No, nobody's moving. Nobody's saying it like, you guys are so spiritual. Can we agree that sometimes we need to, be, need to acknowledge the presence of God in our lives? Like, let's be real. Sometimes he doesn't seem like he's there. And I wake up every day and I, I, I try to remind myself that God is real. I try to remind myself that he's present and that he loves me. Sometimes I say something. Most of the time I don't. Sometimes he says something to me. It's very simple. It's communion and conversation with God. You can do this, and you should do this. Why? Because prayer always works. Prayer always works. 
So we pause like we just did. That's the P of prayer. Then we rejoice, the R. I want you to think about the last thing that you legit celebrated in your life. Like you rejoiced to the point where you're texting your friends and you're talking about it at work and everybody knows that you're so excited about this thing in your life. Was it an iPhone? Was it, was it a promotion? Was it a vacation? What was it that you rejoiced in? Here's what you need to know. Whatever you rejoice in becomes the most important thing in your life. Do you want Jesus to be the most important thing in your life? Then rejoice in him. Do you, wanna, do you want the grace of God to be the thing that drives you? Not fear and judgment? Then rejoice in the grace of God. Do you stop and do you rejoice? Do you give thanks for the things that God has done in your life? I was just talking to Randolph, who's our uh, junior high youth leader earlier, and he was just like, man, God's so good. I just need to, I, I, this weekend, you know, he's talking about a trip down to Girdwood with a friend, and he was just, he was reflecting on the goodness of God, and I'm like, this is so good. We need leaders who are grateful, who rejoice in the goodness of God, because can we be honest, we forget that he sustains us. We forget that we have so much to be thankful for, even if you're like, yeah, Brian, I wish my life was good. No, 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 I'm talking about how God is good. My life sucks sometimes, but God is always good. He is always, I make stupid decisions and I say dumb things. God is always good. And so you need to pause, you need to rejoice, and then you need to ask. It is so good to ask your father for things. Your heavenly father wants you to ask him for things. I'm a father. I want my kids to ask me for things, right? Not every five minutes, but I do want them. I don't have the patience of of our heavenly father, but I do want my kids to ask me for things. Why? Because I love to give them good gifts. We believe that God gives good gifts to his children. James 4.2 says, yet you don't have what you want. Why? Because you don't ask. Well, that's, that's a novel idea. I just started asking, coming before God. I want to close with this reality, because I think for a lot of people, as you began to pray and ask that question, why don't I pray? I, I bet for some of you, you were taken back to a moment. And, and I believe that for most people in the room, there was a moment in your life that, that if you're honest, you stopped praying. It was a moment that you came before God and you were, you were praying and you were like, I don't know how to pray any better than I'm praying right now. Like I am on my knees and I'm, I'm using Bible verses and big words and I'm, I'm trying to work up some tears and you know, like I got, some, I got some music, worship music playing in the background and like I'm doing everything I can to so passionately ask God for what I want him to do and then you did it and he didn't do what you want him to do. And in that moment, for a lot of people, the disappointment caused you to stop praying. You see, I think this is so common that we, we didn't get what we wanted and we began to believe that it doesn't make any difference. So why pray? Why pray? This is the yield part of pray. To yield means I'm going to trust that God is doing what God will do. And in the end, I'm going to bring my desires in my heart before him, but I'm going to trust him. I'm going to yield to his will on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to deal with this in two different aspects here. First, theologically. We need to understand two aspects of God, and I'm going to give you a couple theological terms. The first term is sovereignty. Christians use this term a lot. Uh, To say that God is sovereign is to say that God is all-powerful, okay? The, the, The second term that I want to talk about is immutability, And immutability is a theological term that means that God does not change. 
He's always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. So here's what we know about God. He is all-powerful, and he never changes, which begs an important question, then why should we pray? If, if God's just going to do what he wants, and it's already been decided because he doesn't change, then what's the point in praying? You need to understand this. That God does not change his mind, but prayer changes things. God doesn't change his mind, but prayer changes things in this world. And you can do a little study on it at home. I was, this week I was flipping through different stories over 39 times in the Bible where something is happening and then people pray and then God changes that situation. Which implies that had they not prayed, it would not have changed. And so we, th- this, there's the tension here, and I know we have to hold these things in, uh, in tension together, but understand this, that God is all-powerful. He does not change, but somehow your prayers change things. In fact, uh, theologian R.C. Sproul says this, The mind of God does not change, for God does not change. Things change, and they change according to his sovereign will, which he exercises through secondary means and secondary activities. Now listen to this. The prayer of his people is one of the means he uses to bring things to pass in this world. So if you ask me whether prayer changes things, I answer with an unhesitating yes. Prayer changes things. Yes, God's all-powerful. Yes, he does not change, but somehow prayer changes things. And here should be the, the biggest piece of evidence for us, is that you know who is the human who prayed more than anybody? Jesus. Jesus, who in this world was more aware of the power and immutability of God than Jesus? And yet nobody on earth has ever been a man of prayer like Jesus. Somehow he knew he couldn't sustain anything of his ministry without prayer. And so that's theologically the next part of this this tension about prayer I want to deal with at a relational level because when God doesn't do what we want, we get really disappointed. And then as we move through our disappointment, we start to question the character of God. And there's three different ways we question the character of God. The first is we start to think, well, maybe he's not all-powerful. Like, why do I even talk to him? He can't do anything about this diagnosis. He can't do anything about this relationship. He can't do anything about my job. So why do we even talk to God? He doesn't have the power to change. The second thing we question is that he's, maybe he's not all-knowing. Maybe he doesn't listen, you know? Like, my, my prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. This God, he says he wants to hear me, but maybe he just is literally not listening. He just spun the world into existence, and he's off playing golf, right? So God's not all-knowing. And the third thing we begin to question is that maybe he's just not good. Sure, maybe he has the power to change things, and maybe he knows exactly what I'm saying, but he's not good. He doesn't want to change it. So I want to say something that's going to sound a little controversial at first, but I'm going to unpack it. And it's this, God has all the power, but the world isn't yet as he wants it to be. God has all powerful power, but this world is not yet as he wants it to be. I want you to think about this prayer. As Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he taught them to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven which implies that God's will is not currently being done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to think about that. When, when, when there's abuse in a relationship, God's will isn't being done. When people are being brutally murdered, God's will is not being done. 
God's desire is hope and healing and peace between God and man, between man and God and man and man. That is God's heart. And so our prayer is for this future reality, which is a promise that the kingdom of God will come to earth, that heaven is coming, friends. And this is what we need to shout to the world to tell everyone, heaven is coming. Are you going to be in it? Are you going to be part of it? And we get to bring little bits of that heaven to reality right now. You see, God has all the power. And we look forward to a day that things are as he wants them to be, but currently things are not as God wants them to be. Even I just think of this moment where Jesus is on the cross. And it's one of those moments where you just see the humanity of Jesus. And Jesus cries out to the Father, says, Father, if it's possible, would you take this cup from me? Even Jesus was like, I don't really want to be crucified. But then what does he say? Not my will, but your will be done. Think about that reality. Jesus says, not my will, not my human desire, but your will be done. And then he willingly goes to the cross for humanity. Maybe you struggle with that idea that God must not know your desire. He's not listening. The truth is, he is listening. Have you said this to somebody before? Hey, I, I don't think you're really hearing me. And they've said, no, I hear you. I'm just not doing what you want me to do, right? I want you to know God hears your prayers. Sometimes he's just not doing what you want, but there's no such thing as an unanswered prayer, okay? There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Prayer always works. In fact, you know, just kind of take me back to some old Garth Brooks, right? Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. Come on, like... That's, that's reality. Anybody, like, seen an old girlfriend and been like, thank you, Jesus, right? Like, I'm just, just be real. Like, in the moment, you're like, God, heal the relationship. And now you're like, thank you, Jesus. You saved me. None of you guys have done that. I know. I know. No, he knows your desires. Sometimes he just doesn't give you what you want. And, man, that question, is God good, is such a big question that we're going to talk about it next week. I'll close with this. I was with my son the other day, and we we're sitting on the couch, and man, it was just like, it was a moment where he was asking me for all this stuff. Dad, can I have? Dad, can I have? And I kept saying no. We're sitting on the couch, watching TV, and I kept, nope, son, nope, sorry. And he literally stands up, moves over, and sits back down on the couch. And I'm like, oh, I see what happened here. And so like any good dad, I chewed him out. No, I, I stood up, I stepped over and I sat down right next to him and put my arm around him and I said, hey buddy, you just need to know this, that no matter what happens, your father always loves you. Because like in those, I didn't say, fine, you can do what you want. Fine, I'll give you your, whatever you desire. No, I said, no, you need to know this. No matter what, your father always loves you. You see, amidst disappointment and the prayers that seem like they're not being answered, what your heart's deepest desire is for, it's for the love of the Father. And how do you have an interaction with the love of the Father? But through prayer. And I want that for you today. You see, we all have this orphan heart, this heart that needs the love of our Heavenly Father, this heart that feels like, man, are we truly loved? Are we, are we truly accepted? And by the blood of Christ, you are absolutely accepted. And you are absolutely loved today. I want you to grab your action card off your seat. There might be a way that you want to step forward today.
And I'd like you to check one of these boxes and drop it in the basket on the way out. Maybe you just need to start by entering into a relationship with Jesus and you're going, man, all right, I want to know this God. And so today, maybe you're going to start praying. Maybe you haven't heard from God in a while and you stopped praying years ago. And so you're saying, I'm going to start to pray that God would reveal himself to me. Or maybe you're saying, I want to begin that relationship today. Maybe you're saying, I'm going to begin praying again. I stopped years ago out of disappointment. I want to start to pray. Maybe you're saying, I'm going to trust that God hears me when I'm praying, that he's not ignoring me, even when he doesn't give me what, he, what I want. And then this is a big deal. We had some people in our church recently who just realized in this season, we've got to pray as a church family. And so they just started getting together every Wednesday. It's called Wednesday 530 Prayer. And it's happening in this building, in our family room. And so I want to I want to invite you to join that. Maybe you're going, I need a consistent rhythm of prayer. So every single week, 530 in our family room, there's a group of people. I would love for them to run out of room. And here's the thing about that prayer time. It's, uh, it's led by a person. There's no band. There's no door prizes, right? It, it's not entertainment. It's just prayer. And I'm, here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that's enough for people. Just being alone with your father, but also with, with a group of people. And so I, w- I wonder if that's something. And so I want to encourage you to, I'd love for them to run out of room. And then as we come together and worship here, uh, I feel like God did something powerful in this room last week. Uh, just incredible things are happening. There was just like a moment of worship and I was up here on the floor, on my knees, just praying. And I felt like God spoke a word to me. I want to speak it to you. I felt like God said to me, um, don't step back from here. Don't step back from here. Whatever forward motion you've got in your life, whatever God has done, whatever discomfort you've been willing to walk into, I want to encourage you, don't step back from that discomfort because that's where you encounter Jesus is through the discomfort. And so we're just going to start to keep these chairs out of the front row for a little bit, and we're going to give you a chance as we worship for the next few moments to come forward. If you want to just get on your knees, you just need to start to pray again. If you want to spend a moment in, 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 in confession and repentance before God, if you just want to stand and worship, we're just going to open this up, no pressure. But if you're just sensing God say, I need you to move, I need you to take a step and get uncomfortable, I want you to do that. Here, friends, just pursue the deeper life, whatever that looks like for you. I want you to step into that deeper life of worship right now as we come together. And so this space is open as we come together here in a moment. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. Thanks for the church. Thank you that right now you hear our prayers. And even in our disappointment, you have not ever stopped being God of the universe. So God, I pray today would be the day that we begin to pray again. God, as we look at our church family, many of us would say, we don't pray enough. God, that's, uh, I'm convicted by that. Forgive us for thinking that we can do this life without you. So God, I pray that you would give us consistency, conviction, and a rhythm of prayer in our lives. Thank you for the season. God, thank you for changed lives. I pray you continue work in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys.